Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Pod. I am Charlie, joined by Reed, as always, and uh, we got a lot to talk about today, man. That was a stressful game. That was a very stressful game. Uh, it seemed like one of those that Oregon managed to come out on top of uh, when over the past few years, those games have not gone Oregon's way. You think of the Stanford game last year, obviously. Uh, just one of those where it, it kind of felt like both teams deserve to win and also deserve to lose. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, at the end, I mean, depending on which team you're on, either way, it kind of felt like actually uh, that both teams were trying to give the game away at different points. Um, this is the largest, this is Oregon's largest uh, fourth quarter deficit recovery since 2006 in the Oklahoma game, um, which obviously came about in very different circumstances than this one. Um, but I still think it's safe to say it was about as stressful. Um, by pretty much any metric, this was a game Oregon played better in in the traditional sense uh, in terms of what usually you, you measure a team's success by. Um, but in a lot of ways, coming down to the wire, um, it still seemed like Wazoo's game. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to pour through the uh, kind of drive-by-drive -drive analysis of this one. There are so many moments that, uh, especially in a game like this, you can kind of get lost in them um, if you're not careful about, like, you know, going over it. So um, let's get some kind of general thoughts and reactions out of the way before we do that. Um how did you feel when this game finally kicked or or finally ended? Or maybe I should say, at what point, if ever, did you give up in this game? Because uh, I certainly did when we were down 12 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I... How I felt when it ended uh, was, I mean, relief and, and exhaustion, honestly. Uh, it, was a, it was a brutal watch of just so many things happened. There were so many moments... You contrast that with, you know, the later slate, that USC Beaver game, it seemed like, I, you know, I was just watching it and all of a sudden we were in the middle of the third quarter. There hadn't been that many fireworks or points yet. Uh, mm -hmm. And this Oregon-Wazoo game was exactly the opposite. There were so many waves to ride up and down. Uh, and pretty early on, it started to feel like, we were in trouble. I think in the first quarter I tweeted out, like, we're officially in survival mode in Pullman. Uh, this mm -hmm. style points have gone out the window. It's get out of this game with a win at all costs. Uh, I think in frustration, you know, I, I gave up at times when, you know, not fully, but that last touchdown drive for Wazoo especially – after that doorless uh, hands-to-the-face call on a huge third down when Oregon could have been getting the ball back either down five or one possession in what would have been a long field goal uh, mm -hmm. attempt. It was really frustrating. I thought Oregon could move the ball you know, well. They had proven that um, at various times, not necessarily converting in the red zone, as we'll get into, but uh, I didn't completely give up, and Oregon strung that drive together, and... Um, and Wazoo kind of folded on their next drive a bit, and it, it seemed like momentum picked back up. But there was a split second after that, after giving away, you know, with penalties, that last stop to get the ball back with one possession in the fourth quarter, I think was when I just felt like, wow, this team 
really doesn't deserve to get out of here with a win after all that's happened in the game already up to that point. Those were mistakes that felt like Oregon wasn't going to be able to overcome. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then once we go through the timeline, we'll, we can talk about that specifically. Um, early on in this game, obviously Wazoo takes a big lead. Oregon kind of maintains uh, some like semblance of control on offense. Uh, some of the overall numbers from this game are actually off the charts for Oregon. Um, yards per play for the Oregon offense, 9.49. That is unheard of. Um, that is like, <laughs> if you can get 10 yards of play, you are winning pretty much any game unless there are very, very weird circumstances going on. Um, obviously, a, a pick six qualifies as one of those circumstances. Not being able to score or even run a positive play inside the 10-yard line is also another one of those circumstances. Um, so in terms of macro, like high-level evaluations of this game and conclusions... I mean, the offensive play calling inside the ten yard line has to be the first thing we discuss. Um, I know you can talk you can talk about things like resiliency and all these other like catchphrases um, about this team, but uh, if we're really getting down to what mattered in this game, I think it really has to start with how Oregon was not able to punch it in so many times in the red zone. Um, why? <laughs> I guess we just didn't trust Bo to throw over the middle. Like we kept going sideways on every single play, which is like textbook, not what you want to have to do. Um, so yeah. I don't know. What, what would you have done differently here? Cause I was like, just run it straight up the middle every time. Yeah, exactly. I think that's option a and Oregon was picking up a lot of yards on the ground, but it seemed like in the red zone for whatever reason, Wazoo really tightened up and credit to them. I mean, they rose to those occasions it was impressive to see the fact that there always seemed to be five Cougars on the ball when it got in the red zone. Mm. Um, but when you look at the macro numbers, Oregon was, especially through a lot of the early part of the game, eating up you know six yards per carry, uh, really impressive numbers that you think would you'd be able to replicate to some degree, uh, mm -hmm. even you know in a tighter field and. Yeah, the play calling, like you said, it was a lot of side to side, uh, getting on the edge, right? You know, feeding into what Wazoo does well, which is they have a lot of speed on their defense. Like Henley is is known for his athleticism as a linebacker more than you know his physicality necessarily or his strength in the hole. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was an interesting thing too. Even going back to the BYU game. A lot of people have been making the observation that Oregon kind of decided to say in that game, okay, BYU, you think you're a physical team. We're going to beat you at your own game. And they succeeded mm -hmm. in that. Uh, but in this situation, it, you know, if you were, it, it seemed like a similar approach to, okay, Wazoo, you think you're a fast defense. We're going to beat you on the edge. And that didn't work out so well. Uh, and it, you know, speaks yeah. to the fact of, of why teams usually try to attack an opponent's weaknesses rather than their strengths. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have to shout out these Wazoo linebackers. You mentioned Henley, uh, Maigoa, Francisco Maigoa, who had an Oregon recruiting connection at one point. Am I wrong? Was he? Uh, you're thinking of, I, I was having this moment too. There's an, there's an offensive lineman named Francis Maigoa who I think is in ah. the 2023 20, class. I think he's this year. Um, 
who who Oregon okay. was in on. Really funny though, almost the exact same name. I know, right? Um, he played great. Obviously, he had the pick six, and then the guy I was most impressed with on that defense was Travion Brown, number eighty-two. One of their Mike I, linebackers. I, I love that he was number eighty-two. It was. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a wide receiver number, but he, he certainly moved like a wide receiver, um, right? But didn't tackle like one. He was all over the place. He was a beast. Um, again, for the first three quarters of this game, it was all about defense, really. Uh, Oregon's point totals in each quarter were like three, six, and six before that twenty-nine point fourth quarter. Um, but again, Oregon was moving the ball. 624 total yards of offense. They were getting 85% of their available yards. Again, it was just that final, like, literal 10% um, on, on the goal line that just wasn't happening. So um, any other kind of high-level observations we want to talk about before we sort of dive in? Yeah, I would say the – well, in general, I would say coming out of this game, you feel like – this is a huge win, a huge, you know, test pass. There are these red flags. But the good news is I feel like Wazoo, and we can talk about this more later, but I feel like Wazoo is the best team Oregon's going to face until that UW game mm. and that three-game stretch to end the season. Uh, I think they looked a lot better than what we've seen from UCLA so far and kind of solidified, at least to me, that they belong in that upper tier of, of those six teams in the Pac-12 um, pretty firmly and, and that there's some separation there. So that's good news for Oregon. There's a there's a runway here before you have to get into some of these other tests. But we have to be real about what we saw, the red zone offense and, uh, you know, on defense there are issues too. Uh, the quick passing Definitely. game showed up again. Um and some of those things that happened against Georgia that over the past two weeks, you know, Oregon looked good and they tackled well and tackle so well in this game again, you know, <laughs> things, things that we thought, oh, that was just a problem against Georgia popped up again. And there are things we have to incorporate into our, you know, previews going forward and our thoughts about how Oregon stacks up. One of the things I said in the preview going into this game was, I just can't see this offense, you know, not not putting together four or five touchdown drives in a game. And mm. I think my thought process was right in that this offense is going to we can count on four or five long drives from them a game, but the red zone area is a question mark. They they were consistently moving the ball uh and I was right on that point, but uh in the red zone you have to convert that to points and that was a struggle again. Uh, it can't be assumed that all those drives are going to yield a touchdown. And so uh, that's something to look at going forward and like an area where Oregon will want to become a new team by the time they face those final three opponents. I completely agree. Uh, in terms of the scheduling outlook, we can talk about this more at the end, but I'm certainly... Um, I do agree with you in that I think this will be the like toughest opponent Oregon has until those last three weeks of the season. I will say, though, I am a little more fe fearful of this Arizona game uh, than I was before, even with Arizona losing in that shootout to Cal. Um, I think that game said more about Cal's, Cal being good than Arizona being bad. Um, anyways, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on, but... Um, 
I just have this unshakable feeling that we'll somehow drop one of these games before those final three even. Um, or we could just encapsulate it and say, like, I'm having a hard time seeing only, like, one more loss for the rest of the season, you know, which is what it would take to get to the Pac-12 title most likely. Um, and we can talk about that entire context uh, later on when we get to the Pac-12 slate. But um, I do think that's a really good observation that, I mean, Wazoo are a legit team. We talked about this beforehand. They they looked very competent in this game, and they played to their strengths the entire time. Um, them and Oregon State very much deserve to be ranked, even with their losses um, that they accrued this weekend. But one final thing I want to say before we jump into the timeline Cam Ward in this game, um, then I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the exact narrative will be about him from Pac-12 media and national media, um, but I have a feeling it's going to be that he had an amazing game and that you know he was having Marcus Mariota type plays. I think John Wilner said like I don't, I haven't seen a Pac-12 quarterback like Cam Ward. Uh, he said that on Twitter, and I'm like, am I the only one here seeing that? He's not making any difficult throws. Like, it was death by a thousand cuts. It's what we're used to wa- used to seeing from Wazoo on offense all the way back from the Leech era. These aren't terribly difficult throws. I mean, I think really the only long downfield pass he had was the one at literally the end of the game, which hit hits Jamal Hill's arm, like, on its way down. You can't really say that should have been a completion. Um, and don't get me wrong, he's an amazing scrambler. He's a really, really good, like, he's really good at getting out of trouble, uh, yeah, which we saw time again. Oh, yeah, he was amazing on his feet. Um, but that doesn't mean he can, like, that doesn't mean he has the downfield accuracy of even a guy like Vernon Adams, uh, who I think possessed a lot of those similar traits. So, anyways, I just wanted to clear that up. I don't, I, I don't I, know if you have anything to add. Yeah, I think this was a Krapia tweet uh, that I thought distilled it really well, which was, you know, Cam Ward's playing his best game of the season and Oregon is doing everything to make sure that happens. Like, it (laughs) it did look like the best Cam Ward we've seen so far, and Wazoo fans said that was what they were going to need going into this game. But Oregon didn't make it hard on him. We talked about him being a one-read quarterback going into this week, and you were charting throughout the game, and and tweeting about how it seemed like rarely, if ever, did he have to go past his first read. Uh, yeah, and yeah. That that was what enabled that performance from him. But the important thing is that Oregon got out with the victory, I and mean, that that win it's... is going to show up. Uh, and you can't, you don't ever shed conference losses, especially now in this revised conference championship situation where the South could potentially get two teams. uh, It's even more important that I think it's even harder to control your destiny. You know, if you, if you suffer one of these early conference losses. Definitely. Definitely. Um, So let's talk about how Oregon escaped this game. Um, Let's just start from the top. Uh, Wazoo gets the ball first. Something that, I mean, I say this all the time, like the coin toss, Shouldn't really matter. It's not that big a deal. I don't know who won the coin toss in this game. Really, really in a game like this, would have loved to see Oregon take the ball first um, and get a touchdown out of it, or at least a field goal, um, just to be on the board first. 
But anyways, Wazoo gets the ball. Uh, eight plays, 75 yards. It takes them three minutes. Um, and they, they punch it in with a touchdown. Uh, they convert a very important fourth down and one at the Oregon 18. Kind of showed early on that they were looking to, you know, they were going to go for blood in this game. They weren't here to kick field goals. Um, there was also a penalty on Oregon on this play, like an illegal substitution, but they got the first down anyways. Um, next play, they, they punch it down to the five. And then from there, Cam Ward uh, gets his five-yard run, again, showing showing his legs. Um, not a great way to start your day if you're the Ducks. <laughs> yeah, it was immediately for me, I tweeted out, Oregon's going to need good bow today. Like that, it was pretty clear that Wazoo knew how to move the ball uh, and was going to be able to do that. And that mostly held true. Uh, they settled in a little more, the defense did, and and actually for a lot of the rest of this first half, uh, played the Cougars well. Um, but that was a worrying first drive, definitely. For sure. Oregon punches back. Um, they march it down the field. Only one false start penalty is pretty much the only like real negative play going on uh, on this first drive. Ducks get it down to first and goal. Uh, immediately there's that false start, moves it back to the 10-yard line. Um, they get it back with McCormick on second down, who had a great game, by the way. Um, it's nice to see that he's actually being incorporated into like real game day plans, not just scoring against Eastern Washington. Um, we have two J- Jordan James rushes that net negative one yards, and then we settle for the the Cam Lewis field goal on fourth and six. I think that's the right play. I don't know if you feel differently, but um, just not huge. On, I mean, I guess these are the two play calls I'm asking for, right? It's just runs. I can't remember if they were outside or, or inside, but um, either way, it wasn't a great sign to see that jumbo package not being able to get it done uh, on that first drive. Yeah, and sucks, I, th- but. I think the false start there is is definitely a culprit for why this drive stalled out. I don't know the exact st- statistics, but it seems so much harder to convert those first downs when you first in goals when you start at the 10 you know I mean it's it's just with the short field you don't have depth to work with the field's already condensed and you only have those 20 yards and you have to gain it there so I think that was a huge setback uh and kind of negated the ability to just run downhill three times and and see what happened but Wazoo was showing up I mean they played like and it was a game day type atmosphere reminded me of, you know, how they approached it in 2018, where it's like, Jesus, these guys really care about winning this game. These they're tackling like their hair's on fire, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, penalties hurt both teams in this game, although not as much as you would expect. Uh, eight penalties for 87 yards against Oregon, five for 28 against Wazoo. You know, there we can debate a little later about some of those other penalties and just kind of we'll talk about the referee performance overall. But um, I can't remember. I think it was Sala with that false start on the first drive. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm missing that, but he seems to be doing that a lot. So hopefully that can get cleaned up. Um, second drive, Wazoo come back uh, with, let's see, one, two, three, four, five straight passes uh, before they <laughs> have a Nikia Watson run. Um, on third and four, they throw an incompletion and then, uh, kick the 38 yard field goal to go up 10 to three. Not a terrible drive. If you're Oregon, I don't know if you remember anything from that drive. If not, I can just move on. 
Yeah, not, right. not not especially, no. Um, Oregon's second drive starts off with a big, uh, big play. Chase Coda, 22 yards. Um, he really seems to be milking these, like, 15 to 30 yard like catches i don't have any numbers in front of me but i feel like he's had at least like five of those on the season so far um so that was really important byron cardwell was out for this game of course again um not of course but you know of course as in like (laughs) we know that already um whittington was the the back behind irving on the second drive again i think both of them played amazing uh it's it's crazy to think that we would lose our running back one or who we assume to be our running back one coming into the season and still being this insanely productive in our rush offense. Yeah. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, so Ducks driving down the field again, get to first and goal. I think this one starts at the two yard line and this is where they line up in the, like they line up with Bo under center and no one in the backfield and he tries to sneak it. I this this was the stupidest play call out of out of out of all of them. I thought, um, even though it was a run up the middle and not even anything trying to go outside. The next play they go outside to Terrence Ferguson, and then the next one they go outside again to Bucky, who loses five yards. Got to kick another field goal. Fine, whatever. Um, that was the again, wor- man. That was the worst example, I think. Yeah. Of first and goal at the two. That just. Honestly, it has to be a touchdown, and I'm I'm at the point where like you run it down the middle. If it's fourth down, just go again. Like I'm that level of stubborn where it's like yeah. I think you just you can't let someone believe they can force you to kick a field goal st- with a first and goal starting at the two. Like at a at a very zoomed out level, we're talking about Oregon needing two yards against Washington State. With Oregon's offensive line, you should be able to get that every time. Yeah. Um, especially when you're running for, what, what did I say earlier, like nine yards a carry or something like that. Um, I can't remember the exact number for the entire game, but uh, it looks like it was 5.6. Still, 5.6 yards a carry, that's a really good number. You should be able to punch it in from the goal line with that number. Um, Ducks finally force a punt on the next Wazoo drive, although it is uh, they do work it all the way into Oregon territory. And then I believe this is the weird. Yeah. yeah um, we got to talk about these refs, man. Um, on first and 10, Cam Ward throws the ball away. It's grounding. It's obvious. It takes them. It's funny. I tweeted at the time, like, oh, it's going to take these refs 10 minutes to sort out this intentional grounding. Little did I know that it would literally take them over 10 minutes to rectify this, uh, this problem. He throws it away. Loss of down means you just lose that down, right? It should be second down. Um, yes. <laughs> instead, it's third down. Uh, you can see Jake Dickert arguing with the refs about this in like as it's happening on the broadcast. Um, and I remember like my dad, who I was watching with, pointed this out. He was like, "I think they took an extra down away from Wazoo," and I was like, "Oh no, it must have been second down." Like. There's no way they would mess that up. That never like that. happens. But they do. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I think, and obviously there's no excuse for it, but I think what happened was, if I remember correctly, they were pretty late at calling the grounding because 
Ward did yeah, this whole dance in the pocket. So I'm assuming how it went down was that he throws it away. The linesman probably switches it from first to second down right then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They conference, and then after five, ten seconds, they pull the flag out and, and just do the little light toss onto the turf um, <laughs> and signal to the linesman to take a down away. And I think in within that exchange, they kind of, you know, because usually it's called before the the linesman's even had a chance to flip the play. So it, yeah. it kind of explains what went wrong. But still, I mean, it, we've all watched a lot of football games. I don't think we've ever seen something <laughs> like that happen. Definitely not, man. Um, it, it ended up working out in Oregon's favor, I think, pretty definitively. Though. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Not only did Oregon and, get better field position on the next drive, but Wazoo essentially had to call two extremely conservative third and 18-yard run plays back-to-back, whereas if it, if they knew it was second and 18, they probably— They're not calling should, a draw. You know, yeah. try, to, try to eat up— 10 yards there and then you're in a third and manageable or something i still found it weird that they didn't like try to make something out of it on third down at least get some better yards and like set up a better punt i guess you're assuming you can still punt it inside like the five from there but anyways i just thought that was kind of odd they had already converted a third down on this drive uh it was a cam ward scramble for six yards six yards when they needed five but Obviously, at third and 17, you're just usually looking to get some yards back. Um, Oregon hasn't been amazing on third down this season. Uh, so, and I don't know, you, you figure you can take a shot. But again, I use this as a piece of evidence against Cam Ward. I, I guess they just don't trust him to make those kind of plays. And, you know, maybe it's unfair. Like, this is a really weird circumstance. But um, I agree with you. Oregon definitely benefits from this gaffe. Um like you said, the field position and obviously the play calling like just screws Wazoo over. The real disappointing part about this, though, from the Oregon perspective is you got to capitalize on a momentum changing like call like this. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it all the time. I mean, I can think of a few instances in which it's happened against Oregon in recent years uh, where something crazy and unexpected goes against you. And then all of a sudden you you have to recover from it. Um, and it's really tough when the other team can like get a punch in. Oregon starts right. to respond really yeah. well. Uh, they get the ball. They put a really nice drive together. Um, they face third and seven at midfield, and Nix gets outside the par- pocket, gets 12 yards uh, on a scramble for a first down. Uh, from there, they get a big play to Bucky Irving, and they, they work the ball inside the Wazoo red zone. And then stop me if this sounds familiar, they kind of get bottled up. Um, even so at fourth and three at the Wazoo 11, Sean Dollars has this amazing catch, um, Mm -hmm. on this out route to the right, uh, for a first down, amazing control to hold on to that ball. And I think that kind of gets lost because of what the next play is. Um, but that was a great play by Dollars. At this point. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) If he could have just dropped Um, that, it probably would have gone much better for Oregon as it turns out, but, (laughs) Yeah, it was, yeah funny. It, was, it was funny because that entire drive, uh, the announcers are basically saying, Wazoo looks so stunned after that missed call. They just seem like they've lost all their energy. Uh, and, and it seemed like exactly the type of drive that Oregon is, is 
capitalizing on the shift in momentum. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on that next very next play after going to Sean Dollars goes right back to the same thing, kind of a, a wheel route. Um, and the linebacker just reads it perfectly and jumps right in front of the ball and seemed like Knicks never really saw him there. Um, yeah. And, oh, I mean, what a, <laughs> <It's brutal. laughs> what a brutal play and a brutal switch in momentum there. And yeah, I mean, this is something we Pullman weird vibes, like just exactly what you expect, expect traveling on the road to Wazoo and exactly the type of thing that Auburn fans and SEC fans warn yes. us about Bo Nix. They, they, <laughs> as someone tweeted out, you know, the thing about Bo Nix interceptions is they are always backbreakers like that. They always <laughs> come in. They're not just normally always come in the biggest moment and, you know, completely flip momentum in that way. And that was as big as a momentum, momentum shifting interception can be basically. And I mean, this is what we talk about when we're discussing inconsistency. I think, I mean, Knicks finished 33 for 44, passing for 420 yards and three touchdowns, just the one pick. That's a great game. Um, a lot of those throws as well, like those incompletions, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I I can think of at least like three or four that were good, solid um, throwaways. Like mm -hmm. he, you know, roped it out of bounds when there was nobody open, like that's what you're supposed to do as a quarterback. Um, so they aren't necessarily like bad plays by him. But the few bad plays we've seen so far, oh man, uh, those are really tough to swallow. And he even commits the penalty on, this, on the run back, yeah. which was like, I don't know. When I saw that flag, I was like, okay, at least there was a block in the back somewhere. Like at least this is coming back. And they, you know, even though they have possession, we'll still be able to get the ball back. Nope, <laughs> it was on. It was on Nick's, like just throwing his body in front of the a defender. Um, it was really disappointing, but I, yeah, um, he played a a you know a a minus game the rest of the way easily. It was a really really good game from him. But when you yeah. make literally a fourteen point mistake, that that overrides <laughs> a lot of the good play you have to do. Um, and thankfully it was overcome and in large part due to his composure on those late drives that we'll get into. And I think that means so much to have, to have him lead this comeback in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think inspire the team and give them confidence after he, you know, could have thrown the game away and could have led to this division. I think it, probably is a moment that galvanized the locker room and galvanized this team around him to, to be able to escape even after that mistake. A hundred percent. And though that type of performance would get lost, would have been lost uh, if Oregon doesn't win this game. Um, there's a reason we're like, I know it's just one play, but it's the most important play of the game in a lot of ways. Um, if you're going by win percentage, the Ducks have we're looking at a 69% chance to win this game still uh, in the in the red zone at six to ten. Um, after that run back, you're looking at 32% win probability for the Ducks as soon as they get the ball back. Um, which I mean, again, these are massive, massive plays. We haven't seen turnovers play a huge part in Oregon season yet, 
Um, but this one definitely did. And in this game, really, all the other turnovers made a huge difference as well. Um, you mentioned the drive to end the half was really important. I, I agree. Ducks get the ball back with four and a half minutes left. It's kind of nice, honestly, that Wazoo did return this all the way in some ways. Um, otherwise, you know, they can grind down this clock and still maybe score before the half. And at that point, Oregon is left with very little time to m- make anything happen. Right. I Instead, think 17-6 going into the half is a lot worse than 17-9 was. 100%. And even so, like, we still this drive still stalled. We saw it again. I mean, Oregon works the ball all the way down to the Wazoo 8-yard line after a huge play from uh, Nicks and Dante Thornton, 42-yard catch, um, bolstered as well by... Uh, an important um, run by Noah Whittington earlier in the drive. Uh, and on third and seven at the Wazoo eight with the Cougs calling timeout and anticipating Oregon to score. Um, it's another negative play to Sean dollars. And again, this is something we talked about in the preview Wazoo huge at creating tackles for loss. That's really their thing. Uh, they create a lot of negative plays on defense. Yeah. And I think right before that was the little shuffle pass to Terrence Ferguson. Yes. You know, almost a dot, almost a dive play in essence. Like he comes right in the middle and you shuffle it and he's just kind of falling straight up the middle. Um, And at that point I was like, it it was just so frustrating that, you know, either let's just do a regular run to one of our two, three running backs (laughs) that are eating up yards um or let's do what stanford does like just throw a jump ball to terrence ferguson he's mossed kids like all year i think like why don't we throw a ball in the end zone if we've struggled to get there so much like just throw a ball where someone has a chance to make a play already in the end zone and you automatically get a touchdown if they just catch it yeah, I mean, we saw one, we saw literally, I think, two throws the entire game to the end zone from the Ducks. And both of them were touchdowns, except one of them was to Wazoo. Um, <laughs> I mean, that that little, the one we had later to McCormick was a great play. Like, just right. throw some play action like that. Or, I mean, I'm not a huge fade route proponent. I know you're not either. But like you're saying, I mean, we have Terrence Ferguson. This guy's massive. Just throw it up to him. Uh, if uh, you're running out of answers to that extent, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> we, you know, why did you recruit a six-seven tight end? Like, <laughs> isn't this one of the reasons? Um, yeah, exactly, anyways. man. Um, Wazoo get the ball back with a minute thirty left in the half uh, after Cam Lewis's field goal. By the way, shout out to Cam Lewis. Uh, unheralded very important part of this game um, scoring field goals because that's all we could do for the entire first half um they weren't particularly long or difficult but still i mean we've seen college kickers do college kicker things throughout the year in college football uh, and, and i and believe NFL he's still perfect too <laughs> yeah yeah true um well as we get the ball back instantly um a, a penalty on Donovan Ollie for offensive pass interference backs him up. Oregon even gets the ball back towards the end of this because um, Wazoo essentially go three and out. Um, Oregon gets the ball back. You know, can't really expect him to do much with like ten seconds left on the clock. Going to halftime, um, Ducks get uh, the ball back to start the second half. I thought 
or no, Oregon gets the ball back to start the yeah. second half. Um, and this was a very important three-play drive for the Ducks to start that second half. Uh, it was so small, in fact, that I almost missed it on, on my list of plays. Um, 55-yard pass to Chris Hudson. This is the type of downfield passing threat that Wazoo just never posed on their side of the ball. Um, great throw by Nix, great catch by Hudson. Would have loved him to stay on his feet, but we make it not matter by never getting inside their 10-yard line. Instead, finish it off to Irving with a 12-yard pass. Um, and although we don't get the two-point conversion, I think it's safe to say Ducks were feeling really, really good after a frustrating first half. It was nice to see an efficient drive capped off quickly uh, to start the second one. Absolutely, and I think this is kind of what this Oregon offense is turning into in, in broad strokes. Uh, you know, versatile and pace and formation, but really the, the core of it is Let's run the ball really well behind a good offensive line with Whittington and Bucky and Cardwell if he's healthy. Uh, and then it's it's going to be moving the the ball through trunk, chunk plays. Either you're going to get Chase Coda for 20 yards or you're going to hit, you know, Hudson, Franklin, Thornton, one of the skinnies on a deep shot uh, where they just out-athlete the other team. That's proven to be effective. Obviously, you know, you have some routes from Sean Dollars. You have some work with tight ends in the red zone. Um, but that seems like rounding into Oregon's offensive identity a little more. Yeah, and this is a, these are matchups we can exploit throughout Pac-12 play. Um, Absolutely. Like, Troy Franklin, the athleticism of Troy Franklin made the biggest play in this game for Oregon. Um why not lean on that all the time? Uh, we see, you know, we see USC do it with their extremely talented core receivers. Even with a struggling, even with them struggling all game against Oregon State, they still find that one play at the end of the game that makes the difference. Um, so, anyways, yeah, I agree. We really need to lean on that for the rest of the season. I. It was really nice to to see some downfield passing as well. Um, obviously, we're a little bit used to it at this point in the season, but um, certainly something that we've been waiting for for a long time as Duck fans, uh, especially after the, the frustrating year last year. Um, Wazoo responded well, though. Um, they get a field goal on their next drive. Um, they even make it inside the Oregon 10-yard line, and then the Ducks come up with a huge stop. Uh, I believe this, technically, this <laughs> this went down as a Cameron Ward pass completion to Cameron Ward um, when I believe it was uh, Bossa, or no, someone bats it down and then Sewell ends yeah, up tackling Yeah, it was him. Keon, I think. Keon, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so again, even though the defense wasn't, you know, even though the defense was giving up points in this first half and really throughout the game, they were still coming up with big plays. That's really what made this game so like intriguing and so interesting from a neutral perspective, uh, even though that's not the perspective I was using. Um, yeah. Fourth and 20, Wazoo forced to kick a field goal, but go ahead. Well, you look at those last four drives and, you know, the interception, the pick six obviously isn't on the defense. They've The last four drives they defended after this one, they've surrendered six total points. Um, so that was a good stretch from the defense in the middle there and, seemed like they were starting to take control uh and you know that changed a little bit obviously as as this game went up and down throughout the rest of the half and game 
Yeah, exactly. Um, again, forcing forcing three punts throughout this game is honestly pretty impressive, uh, considering how Wazoo is moving the ball, how both teams are moving the ball throughout the game. Um, unfortunately, the Ducks on their next drive go three and out, and this is where things start to get a little dicey. Um, in the third quarter, you know, you that's that's really a quarter you would love to come out and own if you're Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go out and lose it six to ten uh, in terms of points, and obviously momentum going along with that. Uh, it was it was really really tough to see. Um, again, Ducks go three and out on their possession. Wazoo get the ball back. First play of the drive is unsportsmanlike conduct on DJ Johnson um, after an incompletion, which would have you know it, Wazoo's offense was not doing well at this point. I mean that was All right. That was pretty much one. That was like their fourth straight uh, non-impressive play on offense. You completely erase it by giving them a new set of downs. They instantly convert it with the momentum they now have. Again, momentum was like a huge thing that we mentioned uh, in the preview as well. Um, and then they whittle it down and already inside Oregon territory. Uh, they whittle us down and a 15-yard pass to Dijon Stribling um, gives them a 27-15 lead. Really not feeling good at this point if you're the Ducks. I believe the the official, like, I don't know how ESPN calculates this, but the win percentage is at 23% now for the Ducks at this point in the game. And at, um, at 27-15, in all honesty, it was hard for my mind to think of literally anything other than the Bonex pick six. Like, that, that yeah. replay was all that you're thinking about is... What if that wasn't a pick six? What if that wasn't a pick six? Oregon could be up two right now. You know, like this yeah. could this would be such a different game if they just didn't throw a ninety-five yard interception. Like, um, and I mean, at this point in the game, too, it's worth noting that a lot of the things Wazoo were doing well. I mean, yeah, they sorry they were doing a lot of things well, but Oregon was still losing this game mm-hmm. more so than Wazoo was winning it. The pick six, perfect example. The penalty on DJ Johnson, another example, and the constant missed tackle—something that we've barely even talked about yet. Oh my God, the linebackers, man! Whether it was Sewell or Bossa or anyone in the front seven, really, the missed tackles were such a big issue in this game. Bennett Williams seemed like the only guy who could tackle anybody, and actually, yeah. in general, I think the secondary did do a, a solid job of tackling. But I mean, this is the the second straight week, second straight week now. We're ta- we've been talking about this. Um, against a competent opponent, you have to be able to tackle. Yeah. At the li- <laughs> period. Linebackers struggling to tackle receivers, and then even the defensive line just n- not getting Cam Ward down, and that showed yes. up. Yes. You know, it just it, trying to do too much, outrunning a guy, and then you know, once Cam Ward has a step on you, if you're any of the defensive linemen, you're not catching up to him, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. so you need to take that angle uh, with some carefully in terms of like, you can't let him get by you because you're never going to get him back. Um, yeah. And, and too many times of, you know, t- getting a hand on him, but him just slipping through and, and finding a way to convert a key third down here or there. And this is something we talked about after the BYU game. The Ducks did a really good job of, even though they didn't sack Jaron Hall a lot, they didn't let him scramble that much for very many yards. 
Oregon had effectively four sacks in this game. Um, and yet it should have been like 10, if not more. Um, I felt like I was watching a replay of our defense when Oregon State played later in the day against USC, and Caleb Williams just escaped time and time and time again. Absolutely. Um, it's just it's super frustrating, and it's really hard to like keep your confidence as a defense uh, when you're just letting a guy run away from you like that so easily. Um, also, it has to be said, at 15-27 to 27 here, Oregon's only scored one touchdown the entire game. Yeah, yeah. They've had some good drives, but, like, where's the evidence besides for one three-play drive to open a half that Oregon can actually drive the ball all the way and put and finish off a drive? Uh, And thankfully, that's exactly what we finally see on the next one. Um, You can run through this if you want to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it starts off uh, with a big play to Terrence Ferguson 23 yards again these like 20 plus yard passes even though even though they might not break free like these chunk yardage plays are absolutely huge for the Ducks throughout this Mm -hmm. game Um, you get another one on this drive in fact to Troy Franklin uh, for 27 yards push it down to the Wazoo 16 another pass to Franklin uh, gets it down to the two yard line and then <laughs> this is what we've been at. This is what we were asking for, right? Uh, two straight runs up the middle, um, net two yards. And all you need is two yards to get in the end zone when you're at the two yard line. So um, Jordan James eventually punches it in, just absolutely relieving um, that he can do that. And that is a huge play for the Ducks at this point in the game. Because, um, I mean, if you don't get that and then this subsequent stop, like, it's looking real bad still um, heading into the fourth quarter because that was the first play of the fourth quarter was that touchdown run. Um, this next this next sequence is really, really important. Um, this offensive drive for Wazoo to open the fourth quarter is the Triquez Bridges interception drive. But before that, it's tough to remember, Wazoo gets four yards, nine yards, and then another pass completion that doesn't go anywhere. They're still looking at second and 10 at midfield. Um, this is not a great spot for the Ducks to be in, but I, I have my own thoughts on this interception. Um, I think yours are the same based on your tweets, but I'll let you handle it. What the hell happened on this play? Yeah, it's, it's Triquas fighting for the ball. I mean, that's, I think it's honestly, my interpretation of it is, it's, if you're Triquas Bridges, you fight for the ball all the way through and you put the refs in a tough spot to make a call and honestly i think you know you can say it's biased but i think it wasn't based on them calling it on the field i i think it was a very understandable call and probably the way i would have called it um it's a weird situation where the receiver kind of has possession and his knees hitting, but he's rolling over and should have to secure that ball to when he, you know, he's fully on the ground and the ball pop, you know, comes jarred right there. So it feels like an incompletion, but then as you zoom in more and more in the darkness under this, under, you know, both their bodies, you can't tell if the ball's ever really touching the ground. Um, and, and then they roll over and all of a sudden the ball's in Triquez Bridges' lap. And it's kind of like, I, I guess he intercepted it. 
that's my read on it. What what do you think? I Okay, I'll I'll start this by saying this is one of those plays where no matter how long you review it, you can stare at it for hours. The call on the field should stand. Um I I think if it was called incomplete, if it was called a fumble, if it was called a, a catch and down, there's like four different things you can call on this play. Um and I think whatever gets called is going to stand. Just because, like you said, with the darkness of their bodies, like you literally can't see, and the, the shadows underneath them, like you literally can't see what's happening with the ball, um, no matter how closely you want to look at it. I am of the belief, and this is this is very shocking to say, I am of the belief that the refs got this call right on the field. I here's the thing though, I don't know how in your right mind as a referee, you can see this in real time and and think it's an interception because this is one of the most improbable interceptions that you will ever see. Uh, and it was ruled an interception, remember. It wasn't ruled a fumble. Yeah. Um, but I think this is the right call. I mean, as many times as I stare at it and try to decipher what's going on underneath these guys, I don't think the receiver ever has full possession and I don't think the ball ever touches the ground. And if you add those two things up, the only logical conclusion is that it has to be an interception. Um, yeah, and in plays <laughs> like that where the ball, you know, switches between a, a receiver and a defender so quickly, I tend to give it to the guy who kind of rolls over with it. I know that's not really the rule. And obviously, you know, you can't pull it out after the fact when it, when they're clearly down with the ball. But you think about, like, you know, what's what, what do you do in backyard football? And I think, like, if you're in the backyard and someone does something like that, it's probably an interception. Like, he came away. <laughs> I, th- I think what really happens is it. that you, There's you fight, break into arguments the, the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, I think you probably never resume that game. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, whatever the hell happened down there, the Ducks ended up with the ball. And ironically, it doesn't end up really making a difference for Oregon because they go three and out on the ensuing possession. What it does make a huge difference in is the momentum in this game. Um, Because it was such a confusing, weird play. Like, the crowd has no choice but to, like, despise the outcome and just straight up boo. You know, understandably, if you're a Wazoo fan, like, I would be pretty pissed if that got called against the Ducks. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, there was just... It was a ball don't lie moment, definitely. Like, okay, yeah. you got, yeah, you got the interception, but we forced it right back, and then we're gonna drive it all the way down the field, and like, it was kind of like, even screw you guys, we should have got yeah. it again with anyways, and like, we're just gonna prove, despite that, that we deserve to be the better team, and you know, after that touchdown drive, that they had me convinced. Yeah, man. Um... Again, it, it's just a really, really weird play. You don't know what to think of it. Uh, even so, like, even if you call it incomplete, that interception, Wazoo's still facing third and 10 um, from midfield. And, I mean, the Ducks end up punting the ball back, and it's like a uh, – and Wazoo, you know, takes what seemed to be the most important drive of the game after that. But, again, on paper, doesn't make a difference. Um but in reality, momentum-wise, I, I think it makes a big one. Um, all right, let's talk about this big wazoo drive in the fourth quarter. This seemed like 
um, this seemed like the drive that was going to win them the game. Um, <laughs> it starts off normal enough. Um, they get uh, on third and 11 at the Oregon 44. This is something we saw both teams do. Um, they run it, setting up you know a quite obvious, like we're going to go for it on fourth down situation. Uh, they're in Oregon territory already on third and 11. They run it with Nikia Watson. He gets four yards. Then you're at fourth and seven. Um, just a backbreaking uh, play for Oregon. Something we saw last year, just giving up yards on late downs. Uh, we talked about how well the defense did on fourth down against BYU the, the week before. Not exactly on, on this drive. Um, Nikia Watson gets 12 yards. It's a first down at the Oregon 28. Really backbreaking. The change in win percentage on that play alone is looking at 13%. Uh, Wazoo goes from like a 67% chance to an 80% chance of winning on that play alone. Then you talk about the next few plays. <laughs> Cameron Ward getting sacked by DJ Johnson and Johnson getting called for targeting. I I guess I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Personally, I guess yeah. I just call this a stupid play because I think by the letter of the law, it's technically targeting, but... I well, mean, it's, it's an interesting thing because this targeting, I think, is called to protect DJ Johnson. Is the idea that mm -hmm. the defensive players potentially going to really injure themselves if they lead with the crown of the helmet, even if they're just hitting a dude's shoulder? Um, and not, you know, it wasn't going to concuss Cameron Ward, but those type of you know, with the top of your head hits with your power into someone. Are, are what mess up some pretty important things in your neck and, you know, in yeah. your head. That So that's what makes it frustrating is it's like, oh, you know, Cameron Ward's fine. It didn't even hit it, you know, it didn't even hit him that hard um, mm -hmm. or, or that it doesn't look like you're doing that much, hard, that much harm to the opposing player. But at the same time, you know, you want to teach people not to tackle that way and – these type of penalties, regardless of the situation in the game, are you know what you have to put out there um, to disincentivize that stuff. And unfortunately, it goes against Oregon in a you know rough way in this in this instance. Yeah, and I mean this is another <laughs> this splits like these two plays uh, that Nikia Watson conversion on fourth down and then the um, the big sack are sandwiched in between, like, six great plays for the defense. Um, they, they're making, you know, they're doing everything they need to do except on, you know, a couple plays that just make a world yeah. of difference. Um, even right after this, uh, we're talking about first and 10 on the Oregon 16-yard line. Defense forces a negative play, loss of three yards. Uh, then Wazoo commits a false start. Then the Ducks force an incompletion. All of a sudden, you're looking at third and 18 on the 24-yard line forcing Wazoo to take a timeout. Like, this is looking like a heroic defensive effort from the Oregon defense. Mind you, it's a five-point game, so forcing a field goal here is absolutely massive as opposed to a touchdown. You're thinking, right, at third and 18, like, okay, just get a stop, make them kick the field goal. It's an eight-point game. We can get the ball back, and we're within reach with only eight minutes left. Um, <laughs> then maybe the the even stupider penalty uh than the one before that 
Um, the Ducks force an incompletion, but Jake Shipley is called for roughing the passer. Oh my God, what a terrible... It, again, it felt like a Stanford game where Oregon was just committing these completely unforced errors, yeah, playing I, well, like literally doing what they are supposed to do on defense and just giving Wazoo free yards. Yeah, terrible. should should note, I think that's wrong in the play. Um, I think that was You're right. Doorless. This was doorless, wasn't yeah, it? I'm, I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. that was doorless, just... Just so we don't throw Shipley under the bus for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, uh, it doesn't make it any better. That Even, yeah, uh, it was so reminiscent of what happened versus Stanford um, on those plays on their final drive last year, uh, and yeah, there's just it seemed like the game was just getting chippy, and it was just a situation where. You know, you're finishing off that drive. You think you just, like, ended it. You're frustrated because Ward is, I think, it. you know, it's close to an intentional grounding. I think there's a receiver maybe in the area there in the backfield mm-hmm. um, that that would have got him out of it. Uh, but and I know people were making noise about that on Twitter, so, so maybe that, that's not the case. But um, it seemed like, you know, this defensive line obviously wanted to hit Cameron Ward, you know, after his genie tricks on this drive already. And when that one where he was parallel, I forget which one he was. And it flips the ball over. I think Sewell's head um, was probably somewhere in this chart. I think that we already passed, but you know, obviously Dorless is ready to get a hit in on him, but you have to have some discipline there. And in that spot, there's just no way, uh, you can give them yet another set of downs like that. Um, and I mean, this was, um, this is another huge moment in the game because it like put yourself in the shoes of a Wazoo fan for a second at this point, like you're not worried about the validity of these calls. Like you're just feeling good period. Like you were feeling good about what's happening. Um, it does like Wazoo was quite literally taking two steps forward and then one giant or two steps back and one giant leap forward on every single like series um, for about two or three in a row at this point. Um, even <laughs> again, Ducks force a negative play on the next play. Um, and then right after that at second and 12, Cameron Ward gets the, the big rush down to the one. They punch it in on the next play. Win percentage for Wazoo at this point, 99.8%. Um, that's that's pretty high. And you would expect a team to win pretty much 100% of the time at that point. Um, so, shoot. I mean, let's talk about what the Ducks did well to, to climb themselves out of it. This next drive is crucial. Uh, it starts off with another 20-yard pass to Chase Coda for a first down. Um, then you hit Matavao, two straight incompletions, you're at fourth and two, and this is a, maybe one of the biggest plays of the game, although it didn't seem like it at the time. Uh, Nick's over the middle to Bucky Irving with like a diving catch. Uh, maybe it wasn't diving, maybe he just came it, down. Like. He's he's falling to the side, and I think he catches it with his left hand, um, kind of protecting it from the ground and, and brings it into his body. I was I I wanted to make a note of that. I don't think I ever actually tweeted it out, but I mean, that was a play that in the moment I was like, 
okay, well, great, you know, keep hope alive, I guess, but, like, fuck, <laughs> we, we're gonna lose, you know? Um, I mean... And, and, it, and, and unequivocally, if he doesn't make that catch, I think this game's over. If you pause it uh, on your highlight tape at, like, 545 exactly, this is probably the, like, least likely... This is the exact point in the game where the Ducks are least likely to win. Um, because it's fourth and two at midfield. There are other options available. And Nix decides to throw it downfield into this very, very tight window. Uh, Bucky's got two guys coming at him. One's supposed to be covering him. And then the linebacker who, if he turns around and like looks for the ball, can probably make a pretty easy pass breakup on this play somehow fits it in like you said somehow he makes an incredible catch uh to save the first down this is what i'm talking about when i say there are so many moments in this game that this is a really easy one to forget unless you kind of comb through the entire thing so amazing play by irving there um he has to get like one of the game balls on offense although i mean you got to give one to give props to nicks on this one as well um and from there, the Ducks use that momentum to go five yards, six yards, six yards. Whittington gets a 10-yard run. You're in business. Um, second and goal from the one-yard line. Running beautiful little play action uh, to Cam McCormick in the back of the end zone. Ducks are back in business. Wazoo kind of goes from almost certain victory to in one defensive drive for the Cougs, thinking like, oh, Jesus, like there's a reason why there's a term called Cooging it. um and like i i was texting one of my coog friends at this point um and he was saying like yeah this is this is bad like that fourth down is going to come back to bite us um and they (laughs) they weren't wrong um they get the ball back negative play incompletion uh have to punt three and out huge defensive stop from the ducks um I can't remember any individual plays on this specific defensive possession for the Ducks, but um, I forget the fact that they get the ball back in their offense's hands is, is huge. Yeah, I think it starts off with I forget which linebacker busting through and and just getting the offense off schedule in a situation like this is so huge because it creates this. Conflict where they have to decide between just running the ball to burn the clock but not having much hope of a first down or trying to do these pass plays where you know there's a potentially an incompletion where you don't gain any yards and the clock stops. Um, and it just puts Wazoo in a really awkward and, and uncomfortable situation after feeling like they kind of had the game won. Um, I think, yeah, this is. I mean, Oregon's been on the other side of this so many times. We know what this feeling is like uh, when all of a sudden your offense gets the ball and you thought the game was won and it's like, oh shit, now we need a first down or two, you know, and it's hard Mm -hmm. to get back rolling and to just come out there and have that first on first down, get a loss of three yards uh, completely changes the entire dynamic here. Um and then yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, all of a sudden you're getting the ball back with two and a half minutes left. It's also worth noting that um, this is really great defensive play calling on Oregon's part because what have I said about Cam Ward this entire like 
game. What, what have I been saying so far, right? He doesn't really have a downfield passing presence. Um, what else do we know about Wazoo? <laughs> Even with a more balanced attack, they don't like to run the ball and they're not amazing at it. Um, so if Oregon can commit a lot of guys to the box, get that negative play for Nikia Watson on first down, make Ward throw the ball downfield and try to make a play. Um, and on that third and 13, uh, I believe it's uh, Swinson like making a great move, getting held by like two guys and still like pushing both of them forward uh, to get in Ward's face and make him check down. Um, to what amounts to actually a really, really great tackle by Jeffrey Bossa and forcing Watson out of bounds to stop the clock. Um, again, there's less right. than three minutes left at this point. Even if Wazoo like just sticks to running the ball and taking negative plays, like at least make Oregon use some timeouts or something. Like I don't know. It, it seemed like a really just weird game plan for Wazoo at this point. Um, or at least keep running your little slant routes, you know, that we can't defend anyways, um, especially in crunch time. So anyways, you mentioned Ducks get the ball back, and uh, I think we know what happens from here. Um, it takes five plays. You get the third and one at the 50-yard line, uh, and it's the massive Troy Franklin pass from Bo Nix. Uh, 50 yards. This is the one. This is the highlight that shows up in, like, the packages uh, across the country for the rest of the day stars matter that's what i that's the only thing i could think of on this play he beats his defender and he makes a play uh evades a tackle and like this this is why people like you and i especially you like this is why we pay attention to recruiting so much <laughs> the these are the plays you can get um when you have just better athletes on the field I don't know. I'm sure you have some thoughts about this play or feelings at the very least. Troy Franklin is him. He's unequivocally mm -hmm. him. I, I mean, that play just like pulls, even getting that ball back, it was so nerve wracking and you're managing the clock and, you know, thoughts of like, uh, when do you want to score? But then also, are we even going to be able to score? Uh, and just to, get open like that, recover, and just put the ball in the end zone and just say, like, the pressure's on Wazoo, you know, like, it, okay, whatever, Cam Ward, you get a minute 20, but, like, we have the lead now. You thought you'd won the game, and now Oregon actually has the lead. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it was just such a huge play, and you also have to give credit to Bo Nix, like, he, you know, yes, Troy made the play. He was open and it, you know, wasn't the hardest throw Bo's ever made. But in general, his composure through these two drives, you know, who knows exactly what was said on the sideline or whatever. But he, as the quarterback, you're the leader of this offense. And to be able to create that belief uh, to get back these two drives when it, it seemed like it was almost hopeless I think um, these are the things you know that matter a lot like these games in college football part of what we love about it is like it means a lot to just get this win this can change how the start of this Dan Lanning era goes and you know how together the locker room is and okay what games are you able to win going forward where's the you know 
how much coverage does this program have and what are you able to say to people all of a sudden going into November with this win and staying in the Pac-12 hunt a little longer potentially? Um, and, you know, if this game goes to the other side, it's like you only play 12 games a, se- a season in college football in the regular season. And the difference between 8-4 and four and 9-3 and three is massive, you know, in, in terms of perception. Uh, and, in, and in the minute details, you know, it can be as small as a game like this that shifts this way and that. But ultimately, you know, whether good or bad, come February and, and into recruiting in the spring, a lot of people just look at what that record was and whether you did make your conference title game or not. Uh, and this this shifts all those things. And then on top of it has the effects on how close this team is and actually has the potential to make them a stronger and better team going into some of these future tests. I mean, yeah, you're emphasizing the points of why we love college football, as you started saying. Like In the NFL, if you don't make this type of play, if you lose a game like this, you can still end up winning your division. You can still end up making the playoffs. You can, Even if you suck the entire season, you can still get a draft pick at the end of the day. The reason these plays are so much more, and these moments and these games are so much more important in college football isn't just the number of games. Um, but like you're saying, it's all these like spiraling repercussions that come from winning or losing straight up. Um, I mean, losing a game to an unranked wazoo on the road you're not going to convince the rest of the country that 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 they're a good team, right? No matter how good Wazoo actually are, no matter how many games they win the rest of the season, like people are stupid. Yeah, There's like, a lot of college football to consume, and even the AP voters aren't consuming enough of it. Um, so you really have to make your own hay in in, in this conference and in this sport, um, and exactly like. These that play is so much bigger than like any other play in any other sport, really. Um, I mean, you have to talk about if you're going to talk about, for example, like an NBA play that reaches that sort of magnitude, you got to reach into the playoffs already. Like you don't get that type of stuff in the regular season. Even then, you're talking about like a seven game series, which is more than half of a college football season. Um, I don't know. So anyways, this is miniature little rant, but I'm glad you brought it up. Because this is exactly what college football fans love to to talk about. In the place specifically, I want to shout out a couple different elements of it. The first one is actually the play call. Um, I've been replaying it the entire time we've been talking about this play. Just scrolling back five seconds on YouTube and rewatching it. Um, I believe Wazoo is in, is in man coverage here. Um, and Knicks has options. Uh the tight ender, I think that's Chase Coda actually in the near slot between the hashes, is open. He has that option. Knicks could escape the pocket and run away, which I need to I need to shout out the O-line on this play too. Um, Sala is getting beat eventually, but um, he still leaves an open path for Knicks to escape. There's just so much about this play that uh, I love, and a big part of that is that we still go for the home run throw. Nick sees it downfield, and he, he takes the shot. Um, obviously Franklin's athleticism does the rest from there, but amazing play all around. Like you said, hugely important, not just for the conference race, but for a program as a whole. Um, and shoot, man, we're in business. The Cougs are fully scared at this point. 
Um, I haven't checked what the win probability shifts to on that play, but um, it, oh, here you go. It grows from 25% <laughs> by 60% to 85% <laughs> in one play. Um, so yeah, man, biggest play of the game for the Ducks, definitely. Maybe you, you say like that Irving fourth down conversion, I might get lost in there. Um, maybe just punching it in earlier somewhere in the game, but I don't know. I, I think this is the biggest play of the game for the Ducks, definitely. Yeah, I, it's tough to argue with that. Uh, the Irving one definitely deserves a shout-out, but and of course the bow-necks interception in terms of bad plays. But um, yes, yes, But this one was as big as any. Um, Wazoo get the ball back, and we know what happens there. Uh, one rush on you know which this is kind of it was kind of hilarious to me that they were running the ball at this point down three points like you were supposed to be doing this last drive to ice the game and now you're playing against the clock and wasting like 20 seconds on a six yard rush on your in your own territory anyways um we know what happens from there the mace funa pick six and i have to be brutally honest at this point as soon as this play started i'm not making this up i swear to god i I spoke the words, why is Mace Funa in the game? <laughs> We've This is a guy that we have like talked about as not having a great season or even a great past couple of seasons with this program. Um, so for him to be able to ice this game with that important play, uh, and of course wearing Spencer Webb's old number, like very emotional, huge for the defense, huge for him personally, I'm sure. Um, and shoot, man, like... Cam Ward is not a great quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. I, I don't know. Yeah, and and for me personally, <laughs> I'll add, I no part of me wanted to live through uh, the rest of that drive and a field goal attempt. Hell no. Hell uh, no. <laughs> so that was nice. I Even the rest of those final minute and a half, even when logically, you know, up 10, you know it's over, I was... Uh, I was just so ready to just have the the final score and and just be able to flush it and and celebrate that Oregon had officially survived. Um, yeah. And it's what, the what funniest part about this play is that he should be going down. He shouldn't be taking this to the house. Uh, if Funo just falls down with the ball and like takes a knee, essentially. The Ducks kneel out the game, and it's over. Um, <laughs> like, Wazoo, the only possible chance that Wazoo could have at getting back in this game is uh, if he takes it to the house, which he does. We saw this um, in the North Carolina App State game, actually, a few weeks ago. Um, I'm not mad at Mace for doing this. Like, you know, it's very unlikely that I would pass up a chance to take a pick six to the house. Um but anyways, I just thought that was kind of a funny note uh, regarding this play in general. Yeah, absolutely. At that point, like you said, I mean, either way, the game is pretty much on ice. Um, Wazoo get the ball back, but uh, and they end up like throwing a weird long touchdown pass, or not not a touchdown pass, I guess, but a weird long throw. Like I mentioned earlier, Jamal Hill gets his arm on the ball and it still falls into the receiver's hands. Just kind of a wacky, crazy play. With two seconds on the clock, I think a lot of Oregon fans weren't even worried at that point. Um, we got out of there with a win, and holy crap, does it feel good. 
Yeah. If we zoom out a little bit, um, unless, unless there's anything else that you remember from the end of that game first, uh, I don't know. But um, in ter- in terms of long term, what this means for this season, you love to have a game like this uh, where you over where you have to overcome adversity. Obviously, that's not the Ducks haven't really been in a pressurized fourth quarter situation at all yet. I know BYU somewhat made it close, but I, I don't think anyone was actually worried about that game um, towards the end. This is a game where you were actively losing. You had a 0.2% chance to win in the fourth quarter. And you come back and, and have the mentality to make plays like that. Um, I don't know. It, it instills some sort of belief in a team that wasn't necessarily there before. Um, and I think that's that's absolutely huge for a team that is going to have to run through a pretty tough gauntlet going forward. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it's, it just means so much to win these games. It shifts the literal race, you know, for the PAC 12, it dramatically shifts your AP ranking and potential playoff ranking when those come out, not saying Oregon's going to be a playoff team, but even so, like, those rankings do matter in terms of, you know, say USC makes the playoff, who gets the second bid? Or even if USC or anyone else, you know, makes a Power 5, makes a New Year's Six Bowl, can Oregon also get a bid? Um, or, you know, what second-tier bowl game does Oregon go to? Like, those rankings do have real effects. Uh, and so there's that literal way, but then it's also just the general vibe around, like, Lanning, how much buy-in he's going to have the rest of the season, how invested these players are. Like, it, we see a lot of coaches drop early games, and all of a sudden, you know, in their first year, before it's even started, the locker rooms turned on them. And and in college football, you can kind of you know lose your job before it even really gets going if you drop some of those key games. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that makes it all the bigger to win this game. And, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But to have an opportunity in front of you now to stack wins and to have a team that has confidence in their leaders uh, and in each other and themselves to overcome these weird situations. Uh, and also in terms of what we learn about this team, you have to say, like, who did they actually play and beat? Wazoo looked like a good football team. The question yeah. like casual football fans always ask is, you know, is, is Oregon playing good this game or, or is, did Oregon play bad to make this game close or did Wazoo play really good? I think Wazoo played good. Definitely. You mm-hmm. know, Oregon shot themselves in the foot with that pick six with some penalties here and there, but Wazoo was playing a good game. I still think this validated actually a lot to me um, what I thought going into it but wasn't sure of, that Wazoo is probably a top 25 team in the country right now. Should be. Um, Definitely. You know, at least right in that range. That's an impressive win on the road in a place like Pullman that whether national people want to acknowledge it or not is a hard place to win a football game. It just is. Yeah. so yeah. going forward, the the truth of the matter is I 
I feel pretty strongly Oregon doesn't have a game this hard on their schedule until they play Washington. Uh, and, and even that, I think, is is wait to see if that is a harder game given that it's at home. The at-home part is really important too, right? Absolutely. In all likelihood, this will be the toughest environment Oregon play, I mean, until the Oregon State game. Like, maybe Arizona, I guess you, you could argue, but... Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say Wazoo are, look like a better football team right now than Arizona do. Um, I, I led the episode talking about that. Obviously, Oregon State, yeah, sure, it's a tough place to play, but they still do have half a stadium. Um, this, this is an absolutely massive win. And again, it reminds the players that they can win these type of games, um, even when their backs are up against the wall. So I love the way every position group kept fighting throughout the entire thing. Um, we can do some MVPs. I think we're pretty much going to know what the offensive ones are. Uh, maybe we can pull some out on defense. Overall, though, uh, I would like to say our predictions were somewhat right. Um, we both predicted one-score wins for the Ducks, and that is what ended up happening. Um, both teams kind of got touchdowns they didn't necessarily you know, need at the end, but um, I, I think this was one of the best and one of the most rewatchable games in recent memory for the Ducks. Uh, so do you want to do defensive MVPs? Re- rewatchability, it certainly is a, a great uh, point that both of us love, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in terms of defensive MVPs, uh, well, I guess, you know, I can start and give an offensive pick. Um, I'll take Troy Franklin off the board just because – Again, he solidified his wide receiver one in bona fides and made that play of the game. Uh, and I'll go ahead with my defensive MVP right now, too. Ooh, I, uh, I think I'm going to go with Bennett Williams. Mm. I just felt like I trusted him in tackling on the edge. He had that one uh, pass breakup that we didn't touch on where he's sprawling out. I'm not sure exactly what point. I think second half did that happen. Mm, where it, yes. Uh, tam- fingertips. Just the <laughs> Another effort, big leadership. play that we just can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, he just he just is a guy that I trust in this defense. Uh, and he had eight tackles on the day on top of that. Um, I'm going to go with Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzo showed us why he's on all these draft boards. Um, I think he had an amazing game. You know, obviously – over the course of a game, you are going to give up like a few catches here and there, but um, I think he played a very, very good game all around. Again, that secondary was really solid with tackling. Um, Sewell and Bossa both had nine tackles each, and it feels like it should have been a lot more for both of them. Um, also, shout out to Flo uh, for playing an entire game. Like, unironically, it's got to feel good for him to actually get those reps consistently. Um, I don't have we don't have snap counts uh, in front of us, but I also think Williams is a great shout. He played an important game. Um, Steve Stevens also stepping up, made eight tackles, made a few plays, um, and yeah, I I just think this is all around like again the point total seems high at forty one, but when you factor in the pick six and you factor in like the amount of opportunities Wazoo got and also that that garbage time touchdown at the end. Um, the defense played a, a pretty solid game uh, yesterday. So on offense, I mean, obviously Bo Nix, and I mentioned Bucky Irving. Um, 
Nix's line, uh, like I said, 428 yards. He had 174.7 QB rating, which is amazing. Uh, even with a pick six, that's that's really good. Irving, uh, 7.4 yards per carry on 11 attempts. Uh, Whittington, 6.3 yards per carry on 11 attempts. Both really good. Uh, splitting uh, splitting carries down the middle. Obviously, Jordan James gets the touchdown. He, he punched it in. Um, but, yeah, man. Also, shout out to the offensive line. I gave them a little bit of props. Still the only O-line in the country to not allow a sack all season, which is extremely impressive. Um, considering this opponent and obviously Georgia in week one. Uh, and the BYU defense isn't are total slouches either, so that's pretty cool. Um, all right, man. Is there We've beaten this game to death already, but uh, is there anything else you want to pull out of it um, before we talk about other Pac-12 games? No. Uh, th- there's nothing else I want to point at, pull out of it, and honestly, uh, my my laptop is about to be dead here, so maybe we should save Pac-12 and, and some of those power rankings uh, for the midweek episode, if that's cool with you. I'm totally cool with that. I am starving. Um, so thank you for hanging with us, dear listeners. We're almost to an hour and a half, and we didn't even get to our regular segments. Um by the way, I will shout out, Reed, uh, you are doing great on your picks right now. You went 3-2 and two this week, but overall, I believe you're 17-10, and 10, which is like money-making. Meanwhile, I'm a game under 500, so that's not very fun. But um, anyways, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, please check us out on Twitter at DucksPod. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to, to send them that way. And um, yeah, go enjoy re-watching this game. There's a 35-minute highlight package on YouTube for you to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure you have also gone through as well, Reed. So, <laughs> Of course. Um, all right. Yeah. Thank you for listening and go Ducks. Go Ducks.